Hey everybody, it's Matt Zola from Fern Creek Christian Church. So glad you're able to tune in with us today. Hey, while you're on your phone, why don't you go ahead and follow us on social media at Fern Creek CC on Facebook and Instagram. And you can download the Fern Creek Christian Church app on your phone today. We hope this message encourages you to become a better follower of Jesus, to be a disciple that makes more disciples. So without further ado, here's the message. Uh, the night before his sermon, a pastor went out into his backyard and uh, he gathered four worms for a sermon illustration the following morning. Uh, church comes as he starts his sermon. He begins the illustration, puts the first worm into a jar of bourbon, Second worm goes into a jar of cigarette smoke. Third worm goes into a jar of chocolate syrup. Fourth worm goes into a jar of good, clean soil. And then for an hour, he preaches and he preaches and he preaches on the evils of sin. At the end of that hour, he displays the results. He says, first worm in the jar of alcohol, dead. Second worm in the jar of cigarette smoke, dead. Third, third worm in the jar of chocolate, dead. Fourth worm in the jar of good, clean soil, perfectly alive and well. Brothers and sisters, what has the Lord said to you today? And from the back, an 88-year-old lady named Pauline hollered out, as long as you drink, smoke, and eat chocolates, you won't get no worms. <laughs> I laughed when I, when I read that, and I thought sometimes our application is a little off, right? Sometimes we don't get it. Now, as we're studying the life of Jesus, we're in, we're in this section where he's teaching, the teachings of Jesus. And when you study it, there are times when Jesus, when he teaches, it's very easy to understand him. Crystal clear, talks about the kingdom, talks about God, and everybody's like, yeah, I got it. But there are a lot of times when Jesus will teach about the king and the kingdom where people don't have any clue what he's talking about. Like it's hard to understand what he's doing and what he is saying. And one of, the, one of the methodologies he uses that's really hard is something called parables. In the Gospel of Matthew, you will read 22 parables that Jesus tells, 22 stories. Maybe you've heard of a few. Parable of the lost sheep, parable of the mustard seed, parable of the good Samaritan. And we think, we used to think, if you've grown up in church, you know, a parable is an earthly story of a heavenly truth. It's a story that Jesus told that explained the kingdom in really simple terms. Nice, simple little story. No, parables were not simple. Parables were really hard to understand. You had to dig. As a matter of fact, there were a lot of times when Jesus told a parable and, and, and he just left. Let, let, let me show you. In Matthew 13, our text for the day is one of the first parables that Jesus tells in the Gospel of Matthew. Look at Matthew 13, look at verse, verses 1 through 9. Jesus went out of the house, sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things, here we go, in parables, saying, and here's one of them. So this is what he says, tells this story. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path. The birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no roots. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked out the plant. 
Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear, and off Jesus went. Now, th- now think about that. No Q&A, no explanation of what the story means. He tells this story, and he says, if you got ears, listen up, and he goes away. And, and, and you've got to know that people, there were so many people that went to see Jesus, and there were so many, like, we're going out to see this rock star preacher, and he tells this story, and everybody's like, whoa. Like, he was agriculturally accurate. Uh, he had great inflection. I saw my cousin Mordecai over there. I, saw, I ran into him. That story's got to mean something, but it's getting hot, and we all got to beat the crowd to Cracker Barrel, so let's load up and let's go, right? Like, there, he just told it, and he, and he said, listen, but he never explained it. As a matter of fact, the disciples didn't understand it. The 12 that followed him, after he told the story, said, listen, we don't get what you just said. Would you, we know you mean something by that, but we don't understand. Would you explain it to us? So Jesus, it's actually only, only, uh, t- only two parables does he ever explain. This is one of two that he explains. So he unlocks it for them. And it's such an intense parable. Listen, today's not going to be easy. This parable is not easy. And so we're going to dig into it because if you get this one, so many spiritual doors will unlock in your life. If you don't get this one, there's so many spiritual doors that will stay closed. So it's going to be a hard day today. It's been a hard week for me processing through this. But he who has ears, let him hear. So let's take the parable. Let's unpack it. Read the parable and then read when Jesus explains it to the disciples later. Not explain it to the crowds, but he'll explain it to them. Let's lay it side by side and let's, let's do some reflection. All right, Matthew chapter 13, go back, verse three. A farmer went out to sow his seed. That's what he told the crowd. He gets the 12 later on and he says, listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom. And so the sower is anybody who shares the gospel. A preacher, a teacher, Jesus, uh, a pastor, anybody who shares the word of God, anyone who shares the gospel is the sower. All right, what's the seed? The seed is the message of God. It's the Bible, it's the scripture, it's the word of God, right? So, so the crowd had no way of knowing that. But, but Jesus is telling the disciples, this is what it means, right? So this is a story about the king and the kingdom, the kingship of Jesus, how it's preached and how it's received. That's what this is all about. He'll go on. Look at verse 4. As the sower, as, the, as he went scattering the seed, some of the seed fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. That's what he told the crowd. Listen to what he explains to the disciples. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom, so again, it's about the kingdom, and he does not understand that the evil one comes, snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So, so what Jesus is saying is as the seeds of the kingdom are being sown, as the gospel is being taught, some of it is going to fall on hard hearts. It's, going to be, it's not going to be received well. Some people are going to hear it, and it's going to bounce right off of their heart. The, the path back then was like concrete. It had been walked on so many times and compacted that nothing could penetrate it. So the seed, the word of God, isn't given an opportunity to penetrate. 
It's not given the chance to germinate. So it just lays there and the birds, the evil one, the devil comes and snatches it away. And so again, what, what, what is the path symbol? What is this soil? It's a closed heart. It's a hard heart. People who hear about the kingdom, people who hear about the kingship of Jesus, and they respond by saying, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't care. I'm not going to recognize the blessings of God. I will not respond to the wooing of God. I will not reflect upon the judgment of God. I will not allow the king inside my heart. No. Now, I bet you, if we had a cup of coffee, we could come up with a list of people that we know who are like that. I wonder if that might be you. Maybe, in a crowd this big, maybe you're here at church today and you've heard sermon after sermon after sermon and you've heard about the king and the kingship of Jesus, but it really, you got other stuff going on. You don't have time. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to worry about it. I will not respond to it. I have no room, no time, no desire. And for whatever reason, man, you just don't let the seed penetrate. Friend, I just want to tell you, that's a, that's a frightening place to be. It really is because the king of the universe is knocking on the door. Of your, the king of the universe is trying to woo you, trying to enter into your life. And, and, and to not open the door and let him in, that's, that's a frightening place to be. What, what a shame. Je, Jesus once said, what would it profit a man or a woman? If he were to gain the whole world but, but, but lose his soul. Friend, don't lose your soul. Let the seed of the gospel penetrate. Plow up the hardness of that heart because God wants to come in. So, so that first soil is a hard, closed, calloused heart. I'm not going to spend any, any more time there. Here's where God smacked me this week. It's the second soil. This is the only one. We're going to come back to it next week and do soil three and four. Today, the rest of the time, it's this next soil. Listen to what he said. Some of the seed fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. That's what he told the, the crowd. He comes back to the 12 and he explains it deeper. And he says, when the one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once, what's the next word? Receives it. This is the guy who receives it with what? With joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. That explanation says a lot. Some of the seed penetrates the heart. It germinates. It springs up. So on the surface, this is the person who hears the word of God and receives it with joy. And so as that Seed germinates, man, the plant shoots up out of the ground. And as you're looking, you're like, well, that's good. That's healthy. That's natural. That's normal. That's beautiful. That's awesome. But what no one can see is underneath the surface, there's trouble. Underneath the surface, man, there's a layer of unseen rock. No one can see it. Not even the person, right? And when that that root system hits that layer of rock, it stops all growth. The roots can't go down deep enough, so the roots stay um, imprisoned in this shallow soil. And then the sun comes up and scorches it, and it withers and it dies. Listen, I think you can be a Christian for decades. 
You can be a Christian for a long, long time. You, man, we, we can come to church. We can raise our hands and we can sing the songs. We can bring chocolate for Easter egg hunt. We can know the Bible names and the Bible places, but we can still be shallow. I, I mean, time does not equate to depth, depth, right? Just because you've been a Christian for 30, 40, 50 years doesn't automatically mean you're deep. You can still be shallow in your faith. What we're learning in the story is one of the things that reveals, one of the things that defines how shallow or how deep your faith is, is how you and I respond to persecution and suffering. You really want to know. I mean, anybody can say it. Anybody can raise But if you really want to know how shallow or how deep your faith is, watch how you respond. Watch how I respond when suffering, persecution, and trial come into my life. Now, I'm not talking about irritation. You know what irritation is, right? We all get irritated. Irritation is when you go through Chick-fil-A and order your sandwich with no pickle, and you're driving down the road and you bite into it into a mouth of big pukey pickle, right? That's, that's irritation. We all get irritated. I'm not talking irritation. I'm not talking agitation. We all get agitated. I was in line at McDonald's the other day in the drive through line and somebody busted in in front of me in their car. I, I, I'm not talking agitation. I'm talking persecution and suffering. It, it's when the doctor calls and says, man, it's cancer. That's suffering. Your spouse leaves. The boss says you're fired. Your child ODs. Financially, you lose everything. You have to bury your spouse. You want to know how deep or how shallow your faith is. You'll know it by how you respond in those seasons. And I get it. I really get it. Suffering, hardship, and trial are not sexy things to preach about. I mean, very rarely do we preach about it. Um, <laughs> there are no Christian authors writing books about it. You won't read the persecuted, driven life. That doesn't sell. <laughs> you won't read anybody saying, your worst life now, sign up for, for copies. No, no. For some reason, especially in America, we have this idea that, that if I give my life to Christ, if I work really hard and I study really hard and I do the right things, that everything in my life will be good. Like I'll be blessed, like my life will be happy, my path will be straight and all downhill, the wind will always be at my back. Life will make sense, I will be blessed every day. And I ask myself, why do we think that? Why do we buy this theology that that because I'm a Jesus follower, life will be easy for me. And, and here's the answer, because there are lots of people peddling that. There are lots of preachers, because it's popular to preach that. Turn on the TV, you'll see them. Their books are all over Amazon. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to be rich. God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be healthy. And nobody does it better than this guy right here. That guy right there. And I know some of you are getting, oh, no, you didn't. You're calling out J-O? You're calling out Joel Osteen? Yes, I am. And let me tell you why. A few years ago, Joel Osteen came out with a book called Your Best Life Now. Now think about it. This is what he says. Imagine yourself to be a winner and you'll be a winner. If you say you're healthy, health will track you down. All that prosperity, health, wealth, happiness stuff, right? 
Can you imagine Joel Osteen walking up to the Apostle Paul who was beaten with rods, stoned with rocks, shipwrecked, jailed for his faith. Can you imagine Joel Osteen walking up to Paul and saying, Paul, turn that frown upside down. <laughs> Paul, tell those guys coming to beat you that you are strong, you are talented, you're attractive, you're creative. Paul, say it with me. <laughs> and can you imagine the Apostle Paul saying, Joel, lean in a little bit. Come here. And then just throat punching him right there, right? In Christian love, of course, right? Right? Think about the title, Your Best Life Now. The only people that can say my best life is now are non-Christians. That's the only people who can say that. If you're not a Jesus follower, this is your best life now. Because if you die without him being the Lord and Savior of life, all you've got is pain, and etern pain for all eternity, separation for all. So if that's the case, man, you're not a Jesus, you're about, live it up because your best life is right now. But if you're a Jesus follower, if you're a Christian, if you're following, your best life's not now. It's not now. This is hard. This world is full of trouble. And it's hard to follow Jesus. But what we're told is not to focus on what is seen, but it's focus on the unseen. I don't focus on now. Man, my focus is on what's to come. Now, if you don't believe me, don't listen to me. Don't listen to Joel. See, look at your Bible. Look at what Peter says. I'm going to give you a passage. And I hope you'll take this passage home today. And I hope you'll dig through it. I'm not going to be able to have time to dig, but let me, just, let me just have you consider what Peter says about suffering and pain. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. And this is, about, this is a guy who's not sitting in some ivory tower going, oh, you will suffer. No, he's suffered. Listen to what he says, 1 Peter chapter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. So stop. Peter says, listen, because of what Jesus has done for us, we've got the prize. We've got this thing. It's not now. It's not here. It's coming. But boy, it's going to be awesome. So in this, rejoice. Though for now, for a little while, you may have to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come. What are the these? The suffering and the grief. Suffering and grief have come. Why has it come? Watch, watch. So that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved what? There, there it is. One of the, not only will it be, be June, but it will result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus, Jesus Christ is revealed. So, so hang with me, hang with me. The Bible says, in this world, you will have trouble. It says that. Bible says, don't be surprised at the painful suffering you're experiencing. You're gonna suffer. Bible says, your best life's not now, it's coming. But Peter tells us, one of the reasons, not all of them, one of the reasons that pain and suffering and trials come is that it proves how genuine your faith is. It reveals how shallow or how deep your roots actually go. Because we can all believe that we've got deep faith. But boy, when it hits, that's when you really understand 
at where I'm at. What's wild is, again, you can be a Jesus follower for a long time. And because you don't go through suffering or persecution, you think you're fine, but then, man, something happens and it reveals where you're at. This is the disciples. The disciples walked with Jesus for three, three and a half years, right? And on the night he died, their faith was exposed as shallow. Think about it. Think about it. Three, three and a half years, they walked with. Now, they had their share of scares. There were those storms where they thought they were going to drown. They ran into a couple demon-possessed people, but nothing test their persecution and suffering Nothing matched the night Jesus was arrested. The night he was arrested, man, their soil was exposed. Jesus knew what was coming. And that night, before he was arrested, listen to what he told them. Look at Mark 14. He said to them, you will all fall away. Jesus told them, for it's written, I'll strike the shepherd, the sheep will be scattered. But after I've risen, I'll go ahead of you into Galilee. (laughs) Here it comes. Peter declared, uh... Uh, Jesus, even if everybody else falls away, I will not. I'll tell you the truth, Jesus answered, today, no, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself, Peter, will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. What what, what do they say? No, Jesus, we're in. I mean, we're, we're with you. Our roots go down deep. I mean, like, no, we're not going to abandon you. We'll stay with you the whole time. And when trouble came, when suffering came, when persecution came, they all folded. They had walked with him for three, three and a half years. They all folded when their faith was tested with pain and suffering. Their faith was revealed to be shallow. Now, it's easy to look at them and to say that. And I wish, I wish I could stand up here as your pastor and tell you that my faith has always been strong and deep. I wish I could tell you that from the moment I gave my life to Jesus, I never faltered, I never failed, I never caved. I can't tell you that. That would be a lie. I have had my share of struggles. I've had my slips. But this is deeper than that. I can look back as I reflect on my life and I can see a handful of times when my faith was tested and it revealed I was shallow. I thought I was a lot deeper than what I was. But because of pain, because of suffering, because of trial, because of hardship, it revealed I was in shallow soil, rocky soil. And when this suffering invaded my life, it it discombobulated me. In a moment of self-reflection, I was more concerned about my comfort than his calling. And so I got all discombobulated. And I can remember yelling at God. When when the the hard stuff comes, I, I can remember going, what are you doing to me? I said that. What are you doing to me? Here I am trying to serve you and you're doing this to me. Don't you see? Don't you care? Why aren't you doing anything about this? I mean, I just rolled. I rolled over, went to a counselor. <laughs> and uh, a lot, a lot, some, some of you think that counseling is not good. Man, the best golfers in the world have a golf coach. Best basketball players have, have a coach. And I'm just telling you, man, there are things that you can't see about your own life that sometimes you need somebody to look at so they can see them. I went to a counselor, and the counselor told me, He looked at me and he said, 
your fear is bigger than your faith. Looked right at me and said that. And you know what? He was absolutely right. He, he absolutely right. I was paralyzed. Couldn't pray, couldn't sing, couldn't read my Bible. Because again, I was, this, this suffering, this trial, this hardship hit and my roots weren't deep. And then as I reflected on all of that, my mind just went crazy. My, I mean, then, then the voice of the accuser, well, you're, you're, you're just a weak Christian and you're not worthy. And you, who are you to be a pastor? You shouldn't even be a pastor. And so all of this self negative talk, you know, and, and I was just in this moment of like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And then, you know what hit me? The thing that got me back on track is I remembered the disciples. I remembered this, where Jesus said, after three and a half years, you're all going to fall away. And they did. And, and, and I saw that and I'm like, well, in that moment of testing, if their faith was proved to be shallow, but they, but they came back. Like, like how, did, how did they go from that to what they ultimately ended up doing? Well, they repented. Like, it's not about this negative self-deprecating talk. They just self-reflected and said, you know what? Our roots aren't deep enough. There's something blocking the depthness of our root. There's rock underneath, whether it's fear whether it's what, what a secret sin, whatever it is, there's something prohibiting the, the roots from going down deep. Jesus, we're sorry. Clear out those rocks. Because if you just let your roots, you get that rock out, let those roots go down deep. I mean, persecution's gonna hit. The next time, next time it hits, it's still gonna hurt. But you're gonna have roots that hold you firm in the midst of the storm. And I, and I guess what I wanna encourage you to do in this parable that's, Oh, it's just a simple little easy, no. Reflect on this, this depthness of your root system. And, and may we have the courage and the strength to gauge where we are. are. Is there any rocks that are prohibiting me? Because when I suffered last time, man, I just rolled. May we know our best life is not now. Man, it is to come. We're called to follow him no matter the cost. Adrian Plass, one of my favorite authors, put it this way. He said, when I became a Christian, I said, Lord, now fill me in. Tell me what I'll suffer in this world of shame and sin. He said, your body may be killed and left to rot and stink. Do you still want to follow me? I said, amen, Lord, I, I think. I think, amen, amen, I think. I think I say amen. I'm not completely sure. Let's run through that again. You say my body may be killed and left to rot and stink. Well, yes, that sounds terrific, Lord. I say amen, Lord, I think. But Lord, there must be other ways to follow you, I said. I really would prefer to end up dying in my bed. Well, yes, he said, you could put up with sneers and scorn and spit. Do you still want to follow me? I said, amen, Lord, a bit. A bit, amen, amen, a bit, a bit, I say, amen. I'm not totally sure. Let's run through that again. You say I could put up with sneers and scorn and spit. Well, yeah, that sounds terrific. I say, amen, Lord, a bit. I sat back and thought a while and tried a different ploy. Now, Lord, I said the good book says that Christians live with joy. That's true, he said. You'll need the joy to bear the pain and sorrow. Do you still want to follow me? I said, amen, Lord, tomorrow. 
Tomorrow, Lord, I'll say it then. That's when I say amen. I need to get it clear. Let's run through that again. You say I need joy to bear the pain and sorrow. Well, yeah, I think I got it straight. I'll say amen, Lord, tomorrow. He said, look, I'm not asking you to spend an hour with me, a quick salvation sandwich, a cup of sanctity. The cost is you, not half of you, every single bit. Now tell me, will you follow me? I said, amen, Lord, I quit. I'm very sorry, Lord, I said, I'd like to follow you, but I don't think religion is the manly thing to do. He said, forget about religion then and think about my son. Tell me if you're man enough to do what he has done. Are you man enough to see the need? Are you man enough to go? Man enough to care for those no one wants to know? Are you man enough to say the thing that, <laughs> that people hate to hear? Are you man enough to battle through Gethsemane and loneliness and fear? And listen, are you man enough to stand it till the end the moment of betrayal, kisses of a friend. Are you man enough to hold your tongue and man enough to cry? When nails break your body, are you man enough to die? Man enough to take the pain and wear it like a crown. Man enough to love the world and turn it upside down. Are you man enough to follow me? I'll ask you once again. I said, oh Lord, I'm frightened. But I also said, amen. Amen, 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 amen. Amen, amen, amen. I said, Lord, I'm frightened. But I also said, amen. Let me pray. Hey, it's Matt Zola again. That was a powerful message we just heard. I pray that what we have learned today wouldn't just be stored in our minds, but would move into our hearts and help us to be conformed into the image of God's Son, Jesus. And I pray that that message helped you become a better follower of Jesus and taught you how to love, live, and lead like Jesus. If you want to talk with somebody about something you just heard or you want prayer for something going on in your life, there's somebody on staff who would love to connect with you. Why don't you email us at office at ferncreekcc.org and we want to put a name to your face. We want to know your story and we want to connect with you in person if we can. Again, that's office at ferncreekcc.org. You know, one of the things we value at Fern Creek Christian Church is being a part of community. If you've been listening to our sermons online or you've been watching our services on YouTube or Facebook, why don't you come visit us in person one Sunday? We would love to get to know who you are, and we believe that we grow better as followers of Jesus in community and not in isolation. You know, God gives us community as a gift. We have services every Sunday morning, 845, 10, and 1115, and we hope that you'll feel welcomed enough to be able to join us and worship with us in person. Thanks for tuning in today. Grace, peace, bless others this week.